Hey guys, and welcome back to the Hideous Laughter Podcast. This is Steve. I play Matumbe on the show. Um, welcome back. This is our second episode. We're super excited that you guys either A, came back, B, are a listener in the future and is jumping on the bandwagon, or C, you've already listened to the show and are re-listening. And if that's the case, hi, Mom. Um, thanks for coming and listening to my podcast again. That's exciting. But anyway... Um, you know, we're our actually drunk, actual play podcast. Um, I'm already fucking up the intro, so I'm going to make this nice and short. Um, go ahead and please check us out on our website, our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, Tumblr. And I'm getting past a note right here. It says hideouslaughterpodcast.com is our uh, is our URL, so check it out. Instagram, hideouslaughterpod. And without further ado... Buckle up, listener. Let's get wasted together. Do you like liquor and things that go boo? Then buckle up, listener, because this one's for you. Prepare yourself for the Hideous Laughter Podcast. everybody and welcome back to the hideous laughter podcast we're so happy you came back to listen to episode two uh before we really get started with our pathfinder stuff i want to know what's everybody drinking steve well griffin this may come as a surprise to you and our listening audience slurp (laughs) but that's a hams wow i I knew it by its distinctive sound yep (laughs) brewed in the land of sky blue waters how about you, Brooks? Uh, as uh, true to the last uh, episode, White Claw. Nice. Haley? Um, I am drinking sangria yet again. Jesus. I am also drinking a spiked seltzer. All right. And as for me, this time I'm drinking a seltzer because it's not the first episode, so I don't have to celebrate with bourbon. What flavor are you drinking? Oh, it is Raspberry Rosé from Smirnoff, the um, champagne of seltzers. Just curious. Mm, White Claw is better. (laughs) So, guys, pretty exciting episode today. If you'd stop slurping into the mic. I'm just Uh, really enjoying my hams. I'm sorry. I'll stop. You are not sponsored. Yet. (laughs) (laughs) So, where we last left off, you guys were carrying this coffin while some of you, some of you were too small to carry the coffin. Uh, You're carrying this coffin through the graveyard known as the Restlands when a couple of hillbilly like town folk came and basically told you, you can't bury this dude here. We left off on an initiative roll, but before we get to the roll, does anyone want to volunteer to tell me what initiative is? I can tell you. Okay, go ahead. Take it away, Haley. So in general, with Pathfinder gameplay and combat, um, you roll initiative to determine uh, what order you act. So every round of combat is six seconds. So um, 
when you roll initiative that that says what order you go and get to do your six seconds of action for combat. Um, so that means 10, 10 rounds is a minute. Um, most combats don't last a full minute unless they're very difficult. But uh, initiative is that that's uh, just that order. And um, how do you determine your initiative? Ah, yeah, you roll a, you just roll a d20 and then um, everyone has an initiative modifier. It can be uh, affected by feats, but it is related to your dexterity. All right, sweet. So with that, how about we all roll for initiative? The first roll for initiative. The first roll for initiative of the podcast. I got a natural one. Oh, baby. <laughs> you were too distracted. Godforsaken podcast. Machimbe was way too distracted. and uh, Yeah, because I was having an actual heart. dialogue with these people. So, um, <laughs> the intimidating Matumbe, what, what is your, uh, total initiative? Um, so I rolled a one on the die on my 20 sided die. That's what a D 20 means for, uh, those of you who don't okay, know. I don't think we're getting that basic with it. Well, my parents are listening. So, <laughs> um, so I add my initiative modifier, which is at a plus four. So total, I have a five initiative. It's not too bad for a one at level one. Yeah, it could be worse. What about Ikmer? I rolled a 10, and with my modifier, a total of 12. Okay, how about Eclipse? I uh, rolled really great with a seven and have a total of eight. Dope. And Lyra? I rolled a four, and with my modifier, I'm up to a nine. We are not Holy doing shit, great. gang. Yep. Wow, well, you guys! Uh, you guys wow. were really caught off guard by these townsfolk that yelled at you for five minutes. But we all, we are also holding a coffin. Not me. I have no excuse. Yeah, you have Sorry. no excuse. <laughs> no excuse. <laughs> well, you're short and you're behind the coffin. Yeah, so you're just like, oh, what's perfect. going on? I also can't hear from this vantage point. Are people yelling? <laughs> okay. It is with a heavy heart that I say, Ikmer, with a twelve. Please start us off. Well, combat begins. Ikmer is uh, pretty timid at first, but uh, I think he would, as a free action, he would ask Lyra, uh, can, can you hold this? Uh, I, I, I don't like this very much. Uh, I think I'm going to try to make him, uh, I don't know, look intimidating. I don't know, some, or make myself look a little intimidating. Okay, so you basically want to, again, attempt to intimidate these guys. Now, you know you know it, it, it worked. Motumbe was able to get four of the original 12 dudes to run away with his intimidation check. So you, it has the potential to work for you if you want to give it a shot. I did not know that, but uh, Ikmer would, in fact... Not intimidate, but just ready in action after he would he would probably let go of the coffin. Okay. And then uh You see your GM reaching for dice. And you're so like, you let go. You let go of the coffin. Yeah. Alright. You're holding on to the front, right? Yeah. Alright. You're good. The coffin wobbles. But you're okay. Alright. Uh, then he is going to move four 
space is forward. So twenty total feet of up. twenty feet. Um, and then be in a defensive stance. Okay. Uh, is that a mechanical thing that you're doing? Are you fighting defensively or I don't know if you can do you, that at level one in but. total defense or no. Oh, um, probably total of defense, total defense. Okay, so, perfect. So, uh, that'll confer bonuses to you and make it, you a little bit harder to hit. But with Ikmer done, it is now the hillbilly gravekeeper's turn. Really and, quick. Uh, mechanically, you have a plus four to your AC because you like hunkered down mechanically. Okay. Awesome. So what's going to happen first is Lyra's dad actually steps out in front of Lyra. He's kind of holding onto the side of the coffin and he gets under it, grabs both sides of the front and says, protect the others. Make sure these people leave. We need to get the professor buried and I can carry it here. And he just shoulders this load, this huge dude, shoulders this load up front. And he says, you two in back, stay there or I'll surely dump him. (laughs) (laughs) And so so, (laughs) so Lyra and Matumbes are are free to act at this point. Um, And unfortunately, after that, it's time for some mayhem. So the two villagers up front are going to charge at the nearest target, which is Ikmer. Is that a mechanical charge? That is a mechanical charge. It cannot be for that. Oh, he's 10 feet away. Yeah, you can. yeah. Never mind. So they are both oh, mechanically I... charging at Ikmer to the closest square to him. So one charges 10 feet and the other charges 15 feet. And they're like, oh, get out of here. They both swing at you, Ikmer. I can take it. I imagine you can. I imagine this is probably not a worthwhile role for me. Uh, there's going to be a 14 and a 12. No, that does not hit. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> yeah. The other villagers seeing uh, seeing their two buddies completely clang off of Vikmer's armor and start to flank around the sides of Ikmer. So they're both going to come around double move towards the rest of the party and they're going to they're going to move wide enough around Ikmer so that they don't incur an attack of opportunity. So if you could if you could place them wherever that makes sense, that's that's what the rest of the group is going to do. So about half of them are going to go to Ikmer's left side and the other half are going to go to his right. And they all have what looks like shoddy farm equipment readied. So they're they're trucking up and they're ready to fuck shit up once they get close enough to you guys to do some damage. Ikmer, can you make me a quick perception check? Absolutely. Uh total six. Total six. Um yeah, you were you were too busy kind of shrugging in your total defense to really notice much about these guys other than that they were trying to hit you. So that makes sense. So after the villagers go, it's actually Matumbe's or no, it's actually Lyra's turn with a nine. So Lyra, you are now free and clear of the coffin. Uh, you don't have to hold it up to make sure that it doesn't spill because your dad is basically shouldering the load. Holding the whole thing. All right. So after seeing some of the people run away after Motumbe's diplomacy or intimidate. 
both. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Okay. Um, she's still not really liking the odds. So she would move 10 feet, 10 feet closer to the mob kind of surrounding Ikmer and then try to do an intimidate check. Okay. Um, on the group. So in combat, I'll let you target like one of them. You know what I mean? Like, like Motumbe's original intimidate was kind of, it wasn't, didn't have a mechanical benefit. It was kind of like a role-playing benefit. Your intimidate, unless you get something like dazzling display will only affect one of the enemies. Enemy. Okay. Um, I will, I guess just do the, uh, enemy closest to me kind of trying to come around and flank. Okay. Uh, not a great roll. So I rolled an eight. Um, and with my bonus, that brings it up to a 13. A 13. That should be enough to make him shaken for one round. Okay. Uh, and I think realistically, Lyra would say something like, Professor Lorimore was a good man. We will defend his right to be buried here. Leave now. Or face the consequences. It's like, oh, 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 okay, la- lady, don't attack her. Okay. Um, is that your full turn, Lyra? Uh, yeah, I moved you up moved closer and, and then did it. Eclipse is your turn currently. All right. So I'm going to walk just 10 feet towards the uh, group of four villagers I have here. And I'm very excited to be so close because I'm going to cast a uh, ghost sound and I am going to be making the same amount of noise as four normal humans. And the noise that I want them to create is leave this place of your hatred. And I just want like, imagine four ghosty voices uh, kind of saying that. So then those four villagers all need to make a will save. Oh, fun. Uh, what's the DC? Only 12. But I was hoping this would frighten them away. Okay. It's only 12? Yeah. Well, they're villagers, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, two of them make it. The two in the front, the two in the back do not. So they believe this noise, and they're like, oh, 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 the, I knew this place was haunted. And the two in the back, well, on their turn, are going to peel off. Hell yeah. They are terrified of the ghostly noise you made behind. Amazing. And next up is Motumbe. All right, so Motumbe is going to look at at Lyra's father and say, Thank you for handling the load. And he's (laughs) (laughs) going... And uh, he is going to go ahead and run up to the closest villager and swing an unarmed strike punch right into this guy's jaw. How many feet forward did you move? Uh, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. 25 feet. And he swings at the closest villager. That's a six total. Yeah, somehow you miss an un- unarmored villager. He, he weaves out of the way, and he's like, where do you think you are, Mike Tyson? No. Who is, my- <laughs> who is Mike Tyson? So 
back to the top of the order and round two, it's back to Ikmer. All right. Uh, after being swung at, uh, Ikmer is actually not very happy about this and, uh, and say, uh, well, you asked for it. <laughs> and swing at the near the villager uh, right directly in front of him with the non-pointy end of his spear. Okay, so that attack roll takes a minus four for trying to be non-lethal. Correct. Total of 14. That hits him. All right. Total of 11. Yeah, you'd knock him right in the jaw. <laughs> Jeez, you can see his couple teeth come flying out of his mouth. His oh head whips back and he falls over backwards, spread eagle on the ground. He's out of this fight. <laughs> but, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> And he uh, picks up, uh, uh, and yeah, as a as a move action, he's going to pick up a few of his teeth and then attempt to give them back to him. <laughs> Shoving teeth in the guy's mouth. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ickmer. <laughs> oh, so sorry. Please take your teeth back. <laughs> you dropped these. Okay. With Ickmer done, it is the villager's turn once again. A couple things are going to happen. One of the villagers, the one in between the three, just beyond Ikmer, is going to, nope, the other side, yep, is going to step up to Ikmer, five-foot step, and now that he's flanking, is going to attack Ikmer. And he fumbles. Oh, man. <laughs> the, uh, the villager Ooh, boy. directly diagonal from him that's flanking Ikmer is going to attack Ikmer as well. And he misses with a four on the die. The, yes, the the one behind the guy that just came up to flank takes a five-foot step and swings at Ikmer as well. Ikmer seems like this big target, and he just knocked out one of, the, one of their buddies, so they're all kind of converging on him. So at this point, Ikmer is nearly completely surrounded. There are three enemies directly five feet away from him. Yeah. Uh, this guy only gets a 14, though, and I don't think that hits. No. No way. So the guy behind the one right up next to Ikmer is actually going to take a five-foot step towards Lyra. And although he is shaken, he's going to attempt to swing at you because he just saw one of his buddies get knocked down, and he's not sure if you guys are more dangerous or if you're more dangerous or Ikmer is. So he swings at Lyra. It's a critical threat. Ooh. 20 on the dice. Oh, no. Are we oh. confirming that? Oh, boy. Yeah, he's going to roll to confirm, baby. Uh, that's a nine, which I don't believe confirms, but he still does hit you. Ooh, max damage. Seven non-lethal damage. Ooh. Okay. Okay. So Lyra is the first to find out that these guys don't seem like they're necessarily out for blood. They're really just trying to get you guys out of this graveyard. They don't want you burying Professor Lorimore. This graveyard by the sea. <laughs> this oceanside graveyard. I like it. I, I like it. Pick a sound. You picked seagulls. 
That's what I do. Mid-combat. Pick Seagull. So I still have a couple more guys to play with. The one that is right next to Matumbe that got missed by Matumbe is going to swing at Matumbe. And we're doing this Matumbe style with a bludgeoning weapon. Oh, yeah, baby. Bring it. That's a 10, which won't hit. Sure won't. Um, the one behind the man that just swung at Matumbe is actually going to take a route around to get to E. And he's going to swing at E. That's not going to hit E with a six on the die. And they're not really doing so hot. And then the other guy um, behind the one that just swung at Matumbe steps up and swings at Matumbe with his pitchfork. And misses. Swing and a miss for most of them. One of them got a shot off on Lyra. And I imagine Lyra's dad's like, no, no, somebody help my daughter. So what happened to the two that were supposed to run away? Oh, you're right. You called me out. Those two actually run away. Neither of them hit Matumbe, so it doesn't quite matter. Um, The two that actually came up to attack Matumbe? Yes. Those two actually start running. With my spooky, spooky ghost sounds. Yeah, I forgot. Jeez, all it takes is one round for me to just get real excited and get that GM bloodlust to kill you guys. (laughs) That sound had a ghost on it. (laughs) That was not a ghost. So, So two guys run away, and it is back to Lyra. Our live audience is really into it. (laughs) (laughs) The Hideous Laughter podcast is played in front of a live audience. All right. So Lyra would say, (laughs) as a free action, I'm fine, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) It was non-lethal. And then because he's attacking her, she's going to uh, try to hit him with a uh, non-lethal as well. With like the back of her morning star. Yes, end of her morning star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna hit him with the spikes. I'm gonna try. These are non-lethal spikes. <laughs> Ooh, I actually rolled well. Um, so it would be a 16 with the minus four. Oh damn, you did. Yeah, well. yeah, you hit him. Roll awesome. for damage. Is it the same damage it's I would? The same have done? damage. Okay. It's just harder to make your attack roll because. You're attempting to use your weapon in a way that it wasn't designed, basically. All right. And I did eight damage. Yeah, he falls over, too. You you actually yes. you get him in the nose with, with the butt of your morning star. You kind of swing it up, and he just falls to the ground, his nose bleeding. And then he just kind of slumps over to the side. And you can see he's not going to be bugging you anymore, especially when he was shaking to begin with. You really, <laughs> really ruffled this guy's <laughs> jimmies, and then he just... Laid down and died. Um, Eclipse, it's going to be you. All right. Well, seeing as my ghost sound didn't work for everybody, I think I'm going to try and play play a trick on the one that is uh, actually flanking Ikmer on Lyra's side. So I'm going to take a five-foot step towards the the road towards Ikmer. Yeah, right there behind Matumbe. And then I'm going to use my special ventriloquism, which works very similar to ghost sounds. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh-huh. Except for this. That's not a ghost, Steve. It says ghost. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's similar to ventriloquism. Or ventriloquism is similar to uh, ghost sound, except it's like a, a racial ability that I have. So I'm going to uh, try and throw my voice and 
try and convince him again that the, the place is haunted um, and I can make it sound like it. someone's whispering like in his ear, but it, he kind of can't make out the words. So it's like, go away. Go, I don't know. Go away. Type of thing. Okay. So, so what kind of save is that? That is another save? will save. Yes. But it's a little bit higher. 13. Ooh. Yeah. He doesn't make it. So he's like, oh, oh, what was that? What was that? Oh. He's going to, you may as well just start him down the path. He's going to run away, but I don't want to forget it this time. Unless Ikmer wants to take a pot shot at him while he runs. <laughs> nope. So he just hops the fence and starts leaving the rest lands. Awesome. Um, and with that, it's going to be Matumbe's turn. Matumbe, you don't have any guys near you anymore. I actually do. I have one that is uh, just diagonal from me. It's like halfway between me and Ikmer. Oh, Ikmer's yeah, token is so large. He'll change size after this. All right, so Matumbe is going to uh, pretty simply just take a swing at this guy, see if he can't break the... Is he doing uh, non-lethal, or is he doing lethal damage? I I don't have the book out yet. I've got my shield in my left hand, and my right's a big old meaty shack fist. (laughs) All right, that's a 10 total to hit. 10 hits? Yes. All right. Yes. Thank God. All right, so it's a D3. Um, So I'm taking a D6 and going high, medium, low. Ooh, it's high. Okay, so that is seven points of damage. Yeah, he you punch him, actually, and you're trying to be non-lethal about it, but you hit him right in the Adam's apple, oh, no. and he starts kind of gasping, and then he just pees himself a little and falls forward. Did I kill him? No, I mean, you oh, <laughs> did non-lethal damage. He's going he's gonna to be talking like this for a while, though. Oh, dear. Uh, I hope he's a reoccurring NPC. <laughs> You're the guy that hit me last week. <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> so, um, do not disturb the holy rites of a funeral. Uh, oh, the, yeah. The, okay, man. <laughs> Roll an intimidate check. Uh, so, anyway, it's going to be Ick's turn again. Ick, right. these, the bodies are hitting the floor around you. Yeah. Uh, well,. He uh, he heard uh, Lyra's dad, Mikhail, uh, Mikhail. And, Mikhail, and uh, still using the uh, blunt end of his spear, uh, gonna quick rip it, whip it around, and say, uh, "Oh, Lyra, are you okay?" And in that process, hit the. Uh, <laughs> he, turns around, he turns around uh, to talk and yes, to turns around to talk okay. and uh attempts to hit the uh villager right next to him and total of eight uh that doesn't hit him he he just kind of like you swung it high and he ducks underneath it and that, he he gets ready because he's attacking next and he jabs at you with a shovel all right and he doesn't hit you because I know what kind of monster DC or AC you have. <laughs> uh, by the way, you guys should not be using your shield AC because both your hands were occupied as pallbearers. You definitely don't have your shields out unless you took them out. Oh, well, he didn't hit me anyway. Yeah. It, it, would, it, would, it yeah. Would, would have been miles yeah. wide either Fair way. Enough. But, but um, so that guy goes, the guy 10 feet from Eclipse steps five feet up and swings at Eclipse. And misses wide uh, with a two. 
And I think they're the only two left, if I'm not mistaken. They are. Is this guy still in the battle? He ran away. Okay. Uh, so he keeps running. We got two running out the back of the Restlands, one running out the side of the Restlands, and it's back to Lyra's turn. All right. After making contact with that guy, knock him out, Lyra's getting a little excited, but she sees that there's still a few more out. Um, so she is going to start singing. And she has um, part of her archetype is that it's called Ocean's Echo. So she can um, sing and inspire, uh, basically doing a bardic performance. So she inspires courage okay. to those around her. And the song that she's going to sing goes a little like this. It matters not, I have oft been told, where the body shall lie when the heart is cold. Yet grant, oh, grant this boon to me. Oh, bury me not in the deep, deep sea. Are you trying to, like, intimidate <laughs> No, no, this is an inspiring song. Okay, so you inspire <laughs> you inspire your friends. Guys, make sure you uh, indicate that you have Inspire Courage on for this round. And Eclipse, it's your turn. Yeah, so uh, just to clarify, Inspire Courage will give a plus one bonus to all of our attack rolls and our damage rolls. But, um... My and it helps against like fear effects and stuff. I I am fearful of these villagers. For um, you, not for them. Like actually <laughs> killing them. Yeah, I I don't have any weapons out because I wasn't planning to fight at a funeral. Oh, you could throw a fist. Uh you could probably hit him right in the nuts, your eye level with him. That was, I guess, kind of the plan, since I've used all of my ventriloquism and ghost sounds. For the day, I was gonna try and punch this guy. Ooh! <laughs> All right, Cyrus. <laughs> I got um, fourteen. That hits. I have one d two damage. One d two. Jeez! Ooh, wow. Odds or evens on the d six. I was gonna just do a d four and okay. highs and lows. All right, so I did uh, six damage, non lethal. You crack him on the sack. <laughs> like, oh, poor, like, oh, poor you, guy. Oh, like, you throw that elbow into it, and you can like feel his sack just go right up into his belly, and this guy throws up. He throws up, is nauseated, and on falls me? to the ground. No, he misses you because he's okay. just so much taller than you. He just throws up right <laughs> over you. And he collapses on the ground, squeezing his nards. Oh, God. <laughs> Matumbe. All right. Seeing that the guy Matumbe was just about to deck is having uh, difficulties. Matumbe is going to move up to the very final villager of this fight and um, take a swing at him. So that's the one that is currently threatening Ikmer. It's going to move five, 10 feet and he's going to take a swing here. Oh dear. Uh, that's a nine total. That does not hit. Damn it. I guess you figured out what the AC is. Garbage today. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Absolute garbage. Matumbe's gone, and it's Ikmer's turn. All right. uh, Well, after having a shovel uh, just about poked at him, he's going to say, well, that wasn't very nice, and attempt to hit him, hit the last villager with the uh, non-pointy end. Okay. And total, well, he definitely, he definitely hits him. 
Better 15 on that. 15 oh, yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah, 15 you, on you, got yeah. you got him. So, uh, roll your damage. I think you definitely knock him down, too. Uh, yeah, total of 10. Yep, that knocks him down more than he needed. Um, you hit him kind of. He's he's trying to bob and weave, and as he turns his jaw to one side, you actually get him on the back of the head. You know, he from the instant you hit him, you know he's concussed. But he's not dead. And he's lying on the ground, kind of shallowly breathing. And you, you, you take a moment to survey your surroundings, just surrounded by unconscious people. Ikmer standing in the middle. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, sorry. Sorry. So at this point, you guys have knocked all these guys out. And you kind of see from the distance, there's three men and one's lagging behind the other two, but they're, they're running up on the scene and you see them pass the two guys that were running away. And those guys freak out again when they see more people and they just start veering to the right uh, and, and out of the rest lands. And you see, it's these two guys with shovels and an older gentleman. Uh, the older gentleman is wearing robes and he has some ornamentation that has uh, basically the spiral that if you can remember from last episode, Matumbe drew over his chest, signifying phrasma. And as they get to you, the man, the man huffing and puffing, he's like, hello there. Oh, I'm sorry, I haven't run like that in quite some time. Uh, My name is Father Grimborough. I was here to do the the rights to Professor Lorimore's funeral. Kendra had cleared everything up with me. We got his plot all taken care of. I'm so sorry. I know these people. They're a part of my parish. I, I can't believe they would they would attack somebody in this holy place. Matumbe's going to walk up to him and extend a hand. He says, pleasure to meet you, Pastor. These, these villagers, they, they spoke of necromancy. I, I am concerned here. Do you, do you know anything about this? No, no, my child. I see you carry the book. I do. There, Professor Lorimore was not known in reality as a necromancer at all. I knew the man for years. He was a great man, a, a learned man. And yes, he, he did learn about some controversial things, but he would never, he was never that type of person. So this was a misunderstanding. Yes, I I do believe, as well-intended as they were, they're ill-informed villagers. Perhaps these townsfolk did not quite understand what was at stake here. I I don't believe they do. I actually, and he he rests for a minute. He kind of puts, pulls out this staff that he's got and he leans on it and you see this flash of white light escape him and in a burst because he's standing about where Ikmer is on the map but right by Matumbe this flash reaches out to all the all the villagers that are on the ground and any of you that have taken any damage so Lyra and it clears up your non-lethal damage completely because he just channeled channeled positive energy um 
that sound was much louder than the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Father Grimborough tells the men, get, get out of here and, and make it straight to the sheriff's office with you. This is, this is abhorrent. I can't believe you've done this, especially with visitors to our town. And he, he basically helps lead the procession to uh, Professor Lorimer's gravesite. So if you guys move yourself up, his gravesite is indicated on the map by that blue box. He's about... And remember, I said each square is 20 feet in this map. So he's about another 100, 150 feet up. You guys make it there. And the funeral procession or the funeral, the burial begins. So. Well, as we're uh, walking up, uh, Ikmer would say to uh, uh, Father Grimoire, uh, if I had some water, I'd give it to you. Uh. You'd like holy water, young man. Is that what you're looking for? No, you you just look winded is all, I Uh, I guess. Just trying to be helpful. In my old age, you know, it's it's tough to to run all the way across a cemetery after these ruffians. Yeah. Thank you for protecting the for protecting the procession. uh, Absolutely. And then he'll bow. He bows. (laughs) Get up, boy. Get up. You don't know what you're doing. I'm I'm a mere pastor. Come, come, let's let's get to the plot. In more ways than one. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he he does he take he takes you guys to the burial site, and he does basically a traditional Farazman ceremony. And as as he's as he's speaking the words, saying the prayers, Matumbe is silently mouthing along to the entire thing. <laughs> so he he knows it all by heart. He's like blah blah blah, Lady of Graves, blah blah blah, the Circle of Bones, blah blah blah. <laughs> no one will find his way, his true destiny, his path for asthma will guide him. And as he finishes up, he says, "If if there are any." Any people here who wish to say a few words about the professor, please step forward. And immediately, Lyra, or not Lyra, sorry. <laughs> immediately, I'll say something. Immediately, Lyra sings a song. <laughs> immediately, Kendra steps up, being, you know, his next of kin, and delivers a speech. And, and what she says is, I, I'm, I'm so happy Despite my father's death, I'm so I'm so happy that all of you could come together here. I I feel like my father was blessed to have the friends that he did. All of you coming together here just goes to show that he led such a wonderful life. I know he was an adventurer, but he cared more about knowledge than than anybody I know. My my favorite story about my dad was the time he taught me my first spell. And I I was really young. I was only about eight years old. I I remember him standing behind me and showing me the hand motions and what to say for prestidigitation. And I and I remember cleaning the dishes and how proud he was of me for cleaning them with magic. He was such a good man and I thank you all again for being here. And she kind of gets down and she's crying a little bit. Um, And then another man stands up, a man that you haven't met 
before, but he was one of the pallbearers behind you. And he gets up. Or one of the uh, pallbearers that did not help us fight. Well, remember, remember when Kale said they were handled. I need somebody in the back. Called out. They didn't want to kill the villagers. (laughs) They figured get a couple level one people up there. They'll be able to test this out. So he steps up uh, in front of everybody and he starts talking and he says, hello, everybody. My name is Edivion Edressant. For those of you that don't know me, I was the professor's apprentice. Now, I like to think I was his greatest student. Although he never told me that, I I was his only student that he ever allowed to go on adventures with him. Uh, after, after I graduated from Leopardstadt University, he and I went on great adventures together to the Mwangi, to Osiria, all over the world. And I, I knew the man so well. I knew his his passions, his especially passion for knowledge. Although we all miss him dearly, I know that his studies will live on. He's, he's left his mark on this world, and I'm grateful for having known him. And Adivion gets down from the stage, and then Father Grimborough opens it up to basically any of you. If any of you would like to say a couple words about the professor. I'm not forcing you here, but. I think Lyra would stand up uh, trying to kind of suppress tears, looking a little shaken from uh, just touched by the whole ceremony. And she would say, the professor gave me freedom and I will forever be in his debt for that. Thank you. And then she'll sit back down. <laughs> Somebody opens a beer in the audience. <laughs> Anyone else? Oh, um, can you can you roll me a uh, diplomacy? Yeah. A sixteen. Okay. They were moved by your tears. Oh. Anybody else want to give it a go, or shall we end with uh, Mikhail? Uh, Matuba can step up. So Matume is going to hop up there and he's going to start talking. He's going to say, I know Professor Lorimer only briefly, but I saw him at what I can only imagine would be his greatest weakness when he was almost perishing from malaria, the jungle fever. When the, the absolute resolution to live that I saw in that man was astounding and Though I saw him at his absolute weakest, I also sound, saw him at his absolute strongest, persevering to live. I was greatly moved by this man, and it is my honor to be here at his very funeral. Want me a diplomacy as well? All right. That's a six. Okay. Nobody really gives a shit. <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> I'm rolling absolute trash. Uh, it, the dice giveth and the dice taketh away. They taken. Uh, anybody else want to say a few words? Are you guys? Ikmer uh, would step up and uh, say, uh, when I met the professor, he was very nice to me. And I think we were friends. 
And uh, that would be it. <laughs> he stands up, says that, walks down. If you yep. roll a higher diplomacy, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, roll your diplomacy. Uh, total of eleven. Okay. Right. They almost like you twice as much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, this guy I could get behind. He, uh, well, I guess uh, to further that diplomacy, he'll he'll rub a scar and in the look down. Almost like uh, pitifully, just to just to make it a little bit. Just so everybody's like, oh, I understand why this kid's really dumb. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Look at him; he's pitiful. <laughs> <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Uh, Maybe like sad get... trombone at that. <laughs> oh, I do have that. <laughs> <laughs> well. Your, your character didn't necessarily know the professor as well. You more than welcome to say some stuff, but no, no, she's gonna stay in her seat, kind of sit, twiddle her thumbs, and uh, probably her legs will probably don't touch the ground, so she's probably sitting like a little kid. So finally, um, the burly giant of a man who still looks up to Matumbe, <laughs> Mikhail, Lyra's dad, um, stands up. And he, he's the one that, you know, may not have been the professor's family, but he definitely adventured with the professor the most um, until recently. And so he wants to say a couple words. So he says, I've known the professor at his weakest like Matumbe, I've seen him struggle, and I thank you for helping him through that time, Matumbe. I, I don't know if I've ever suffered a loss like this. If I have, it's lost to the annals of time. But I will say this. Without the professor, I would not have a daughter. I wouldn't have purpose in my life. I... I know I come across as this noble paladin, and that's true. But without my religion and without my family, I would be nothing. Old Deadeye watches over you, old man. And he gets down. And with that, you guys kind of all gather together um, and walk back through the Restlands, to the Lorimore household, Kendra lets you all let you all know, uh, guys. I'm I'm doing a reception after the funeral. Um, we're we're waiting for Councilman Hearthmount. He's gonna read the will. I know, and she specifically comes up to you four, and she's like, "I know you four were specifically mentioned in the will. You have to be there. So, oh, you should, may as well come to the reception and get some food." And um, with that, you go back to the Lorimore household with, with this big group of people. And there's a bunch of interesting-looking people. You know, you, you saw these, these people that you had never met before talking at the funeral, being pallbearers at the funeral. But there's also 10 to 20 more people that are either townsfolk or are from far away in, like, dozens of different garbs coming from wealthy robes to, you know, the, the tavern keeper's best 
dress. <laughs> so, um, so as you guys get back, I'll let you kind of explore the, you know, you can get your hors d'oeuvres. I'm sure Ickmer is going to eat his face full. Oh, yeah. Um, but as you kind of wander around the, the reception, I'll let you know who you meet. You can strike up a conversation with them if you want. You guys can go your separate ways or you can walk around awkwardly like a pack of four. It doesn't matter much to me. Does that sound good? Sure. All right. Yeah. Uh, first of all, Igmer is going to walk up to the uh, food table and attempt a stealth check a stealth on check. A, uh, a few rolls and to stuff them in his pocket. To stuff them in his pocket. All right. Uh, total of nine. Total of nine. Okay. Well, there's actually a man standing next to you, and he's he's eating. He's kind of doing the same thing as you. He's not being as stealthy about it. But he definitely notices you. Oh, boy. <laughs> and uh, he walks up to you, and he's, he's kind of this... He's wearing these beautiful purple robes and they have kind of like a, a dark velvet liner and he's wearing these intelligent looking spectacles. He's kind of a, he's a portly man. You can see his, his cheeks are super rosy. He's got this blonde goatee. He looks like the jovial sort and he comes up to you and he says, and who might you be? Oh goodness. Here we go. Uh, I'm, I'm and, uh, you know, I, I just carried the, uh, uh, the coffin, but you look pretty fancy. Oh, you're, you're some kind of a celebrity <laughs> carrying a coffin and all. My name is Aubryn Chalet. A pleasure to meet you, Ekma. It's nice to meet you, too. Ekma, uh, mouth sounds are pretty rude when you're next to a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Those were uh, good rolls, right? Yeah, they were delicious. I, I managed to eat them off, Mike, though. <laughs> and so he gets to talking to you, and um, he's actually, and he, and he says to you, so, so how did you know the professor? I, you, you said he was your friend in your speech, and I, that, that's not much to go off, young man. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh... I guess that's true. Uh, he uh, he and I met while I was uh, defending his caravan. Actually, uh, uh, there was a pack of wolves, and uh, you know he uh, he helped me fight them off. He was very nice about it. He he was my friend. Oh, he helped you. The hired help. He helped you uh, fight them off, did he? Uh, yeah. He got uh, his hands dirty. Well, he he gave me the spear actually. Oh, and well. show him his uh, show him the spear, the broken spear. Ooh, that's uh that's an interesting weapon you've got there, Ick. And he reaches out and he grabs it, and I don't know what I don't know how Ickmer reacts to that. He like grabs the spear with both okay. hands and you can see like he's concentrating on it. Um he's ooh. Ickmer would be slightly uh defensive. Uh, probably like hands clenched or his other, his free hand is clenched uh, with the, his shield on his back. He's almost ready to grab it, but uh, he'll, he'll hold back. He holds back from grabbing it. Yeah. From grabbing it away from, uh, but from does he, Lonnie. does he have a hand on it? Um, 
Or did he full on give it to Auburn? Oh, he would have he would have a hand on it. So he can feel this slight tingling in his hand, and moments later, the spear is good as new. Ooh, and Auburn says, "The pleasure is all mine, young man. Why don't you?" do combat with a more fitting weapon. You wouldn't want to go into combat with something as broken as this spear. And he hands it back to you, and you can mark it down. Your spear has been mended. Awesome. Uh, Wow. This is so nice of you. How how can I ever repay? I actually don't have any money, but... uh, Oh, don't think a thing of it. Don't think a thing of it, Ikma. Just promise me. If you're ever up in Caliphath, look me up. We'll have a good time. Uh, absolutely. Maybe you'll be a little older. Maybe you'll be able to drink beer. Uh, well, absolutely. You're, oh, thank you. This, I am just touched. Just look at me at the Quarter Foe Archives. I'm the curator. The, the Quarter what Archives? Quarter Foe. Quarter Foe. I'll put it on a piece of paper for you, Ickman. I'll, I'll put it in your back pocket. Maybe one of your friends can read it. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so as this is kind of happening, what are, what are the rest of you guys doing? I, I'm assuming the four of us walk in together, but sort of go our separate ways. I would assume, yeah, Igmer went straight to the food. Um, you know, there's there's all kinds of rooms, and, and Kendra has kind of left the first floor all yeah. open. The bedrooms are obviously... You know, who goes into a bedroom during a wake? But, well. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, but, but you know, his library's open. The the kitchen's all open. He's kind of got, he's got this room. It's more of a study than a library. It still has some books, but it's got some interesting knickknacks in it. So uh, you guys can basically go wherever you'd like. Well, I would, I would say as soon as we walk in... Um, Ikmer's going his own way. I'm not sure what Eclipse is doing, but as they cross the threshold, Matumbe puts his hand up in front of Lyra's chest to like kind of stop, like hang back, and he's going to go, Lyra, you sang in battle. I once knew a woman who could sing like that. Tell me, from where do you draw your power? Well, I, I've always been able to sing, and as I sang more and more, um, it just seemed to touch people. I think it comes from my natural musical abilities and also my close ties to the ocean. From the ocean? Do you have a specific patron? Um, no. I mean, I've always kind of followed Rastil just from my father's following. Um, but... I've always felt a draw to the ocean. No specific deity. Thank you for sharing your power with us. And the conversation's pretty much concluded. He walks off and... Uh, he walks off. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Next Go. time, heal me. You're not going to try and uh, sell her on for Asma? Not yet. Asma <laughs> is a much yet. better goddess. Um, so yeah, I, I guess Matsume will... Is, is there anybody that looks like Matumbe or close? Someone who looks like they, you said there was people in, you know, dozens of different types of garb, but are there folks that look more exotic than others? Yeah. So, um, there's kind of this older man. You can tell he's not a Mwangi man. Sure. But he's definitely got this 
dark tanned complexion. Sure. Um, and he's kind of flipping through some of the books in the library. Oh, so, uh, so, so Matuma is going to walk up and say, I see you value the, the, the writings in these texts. Ah, uh, yes, my friend. What might your name be? I am known as Matumbe, the gravedigger of Phrasma. Matumbe, you yes. worship Phrasma, but I, I can tell you are not from Ustalav. Where, where, from where do you hail? I am from deep in the savannas of the Mwangi Expanse. Ah, the Mwangi Expanse. I am very familiar with the Mwangi Expanse. Forgive me, I don't believe I caught your name. Ah, yes. Uh, my name is Vaskrav Hurai. Oh dear, I cannot pronounce that. Ah, yes, uh, you can call me Z. Z. Z, if it's easier for you, Matumbe. Much easier. So, Mr. Z, what were you doing in the Mwangi Expanse? Uh, I, I procure uh, all manner of, of fine artifacts to sell in my store. I actually, I do have a store in Lippitstadt in Ustalav. It, I know you may not be familiar with the... The country, but uh, I, it's called Zvaskrovs and Sons. And uh, me and my two sons have a basically a curiosity shop that we we travel all over the world gathering these items and we sell them in um, in Lepidstad. Very interesting, Mister Z. Now, have you? Have you come across any items in your travels in, in uh, the Mongi Expanse or otherwise? I know it must be a great journey to make it this far for, for a funeral. Specific artifacts? What, what one may consider odd and exotic, one other may find commonplace. Well, you do know about the deities of Ustalav, obviously being a man of phrasma. Things that would be more exotic than this. So, you know, uh, idols, maybe. Things from the jungle or otherwise. Well, Mr. Z, I will have you know that to someone not native the Moongi Expanse, I think I have found things in my travels that would, um, that you would find as, you know, you may consider a relic or something, or a sort of artifact. Uh, prime, uh, the, one, the most exotic thing I found perhaps would be a totem of Agasm, the gorilla king, the demon lord. Oh, have you heard this name before? I have heard of such a man. Well, he is not a man, but a god. Yes, Angazan, the deity of the jungle in the Mwangi Expanse. Am I wrong? You are correct. Ah, we have been in the Mwangi jungles many times, but we have not found his dread city. I would not attempt to find the dread city. I have dealt with many of the followers of the Gorilla King, and they are not people you want to be running into in the midst of the jungle. And what relics would you say you found from this Angazan? 
Oh, nothing I would consider a relic, but something, maybe someone like you, someone from outside of the Miwongi expanse would consider odd. I found many totems, many gold idols of the gorilla demon lord himself. You may find these very valuable. Ah, we shall certainly talk of this later. It would be my pleasure. If you ever find yourself in Lippidstadt, please come to my shop, meet my sons. Maybe we can purchase a map off of you. Maybe. Maybe there's something I would like to purchase off of you. Ah, there very well may be. We have quite the collection of curiosities. I like doing business. Ah, if you are a businessman, we have business for you. And it would appear I'm talking to someone who likes business. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for talking me in circles, Mr. Matumbe. You flatter me. So, so it's just business you as usual, me. Huh? <laughs> So, so as this conversation kind of concludes between, uh, no, it just keeps <laughs> going in circles. Do you like business? I like business, but do you like business? I am a businessman. I can tell from you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, so as as the two kind of continue to talk business. Eclipse, where's your character? Uh, so Eclipse probably would have walked in the door. She's, again, not very used to all of these people everywhere. And um, clearly she opens two drinks, starts double fisting right away. Uh, <laughs> Sounds <no>. like her. <laughs> but actually she's probably, um, probably would, tr- I would like to roll a perception, I guess, because she would probably want to look for the uh, most, I guess, shadowy or more in like the, I don't know, in in the background kind of character because that's generally how she spends her life. Okay. Or uh, air quotes, ghost sounds. Okay, go ahead ahead and roll me a perception check. Okay. Not bad, uh, 18. Oh, well, you definitely see this happening in the corner of the room then. You see this rather short man he's about five four he's tall to you obviously but to most people he's he's kind of a tiny guy he's definitely super old he's got this shock of white hair big bushy white eyebrows and he's over in the corner by the fireplace and he's got this contraption and it's making a little bit of noise it's like you can see that gears are cranking on it and he's like oh fiddly thing why can't i why can't i get this fire to light and he's over in the corner with this mechanism. And it's like, why why wouldn't you use Spark, old man? Like, what are you doing over here with this basically almost robotic-looking thing? It looks completely out of place. Haley, before you go talk to this old man, are you sure that you as a player want to subject everybody to the old man voice? I'm really not sure. And also... And he looks over at you and he goes, Who are you? Come come over. Uh, Uh GM has decided I have no choice. Um, But yeah, no, she she will walk over there, though. Okay. So she walks over to him and... um, I imagine if you like tap him on the shoulder or something, he's like completely startled. He's like, "Oh, oh, 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 hello. Hello. What are you doing? I'm trying to get this damn fire to light. I'm using my patented magicless spark. Uh, have you actually made any money from that patent? Uh, all 
over, all over Galarian. My inventions are widely known. I've never seen anything like this. Well, it's uh, for a special clientele. What else have you invented? Ah, well, me and Professor Lorimore invented a great number of contraptions in our day. I actually was quite surprised to be summoned for this funeral. I expected I would die long before him. <laughs> As you can see, I'm, I'm up in years, but I am still kicking. Oh, wow. How old are you? I'm 83. Oh, I'm, I'm like 50-something. I'm human, and you clearly are not. <laughs> what did you say your name was, by the way, young lady? I didn't say my name. Well, it's in polite society, we tell each other our names, so I'll go first. My name is Horace Croon. Good to meet you. Hello, Horace. I'm Eclipse. Hello, Eclipse. That's a pretty name. Are you from here? How how did you know the professor? I can feel the heat here from here. Oh, oh God! No. <laughs> I think there's, I think sparks are flying, and I'm not talking the uh, contraption. The mechanical. <laughs> oh God! Uh, I've forgotten what you've even asked because of this. Love well, knows no age. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Apparently, it's only like a 22 year old difference. Exactly. Um, I I asked how you knew the professor. I actually um, never met Professor Lormore. Uh, my my dad used to adventure with him. Ah, uh, what was your dad's name? Maybe I know him. His name was Burnett. Burnett. Ah, that's a unique name. I, I don't believe I've met a Burnett. The professor usually worked with me. We were kind of a dynamic duo, if you will, back in, a, back in my youth when I was... Vigorous, but uh, <laughs> I was trying so hard to hold it together, and then you said vigorous, and like you shook your whole head when you said it. <laughs> well, I just wanted to show how vigorous I am. So, uh, the professor and I made all sorts of inventions, and uh, one. We left one, the, probably our grandest invention, unfinished. Um. It was a device that could carry you into the depths of the ocean. And we we haven't completed the how you would be able to breathe under it. So really it's just a metal death trap now, but <laughs> but hopefully hopefully one day I'll finish it before I go the way of Professor Lorimore. Wouldn't you, Oh. Wouldn't you just keep uh air inside of the machine? Well, then you couldn't get to great depths. You'd run out of air before you got to the bottom. It, can't we just have, like, a wizard that has some, some air spells? Uh, pish posh. Laura Moore was a wizard, and he still knew the value of inventing things. It's progress, Eclipse. Progress. For the non-magical, yes. Yes. How do you think that... Half-orc over by the deli table would be able to make it down to the depths. He would never make it. I know he can't cast spells. Just look at him. He would need to have some good friends. Ah, but I think his only friend right now is the brisket on the table. 
There's brisket? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Does he clip leave at that? Just walks away. Goodbye, young lady. And say she she does a good Irish goodbye and just walks away. Uh, that lady, what a what a rude little girl. What a I was gonna say a real firecracker. A real firecracker. <laughs> what a, a humdinger she is. <laughs> okay, so uh, Eclipse heads to the deli table and she's uh, sidled up next to Igmer at this point. Um. Lyra, you're kind of, since your dad is here, he's kind of trying to introduce you to people that he knows. Um, so he definitely takes you up to a Divion, the, the other guy that spoke at the wedding, uh, because he was in an adventuring party with him. So um, he says, Lyra, this is uh, my, my good adventuring companion, a Divion. He was the professor's apprentice and uh he well he really got us out of a lot of tight spaces he's he's quite adept at the arcane arts adivion this is my daughter lyra it's nice to meet you adivion thank you so much oh it's it's great to see you again lyra i um i remember you when you were we i i've grown up a lot since i can tell i can tell uh I can tell your father, Mikhail, has been taking great care of you. He's taught me a lot of great lessons, and he's given me a really good life here. I see you've kept singing. Never stopped. No, I did. It's much nicer to hear these days. <laughs> I've, I've gotten certain things under control, but I'm, I'm still working at it. Well, I, I imagine you're here for the will as well. Were you... I know your father and I were were left in... With, the professor specifically wrote that we would be present for the reading. Uh, yeah, I was told that I was mentioned, but I don't really know what to expect. Yeah, he was a clever man. <laughs> That's why he, he I took him as my mentor. He, he knew everything, and he could tell the reason behind everything... That anyone needed. He was... Wow. We, we were all blessed to be a part of his life. I, I do say I'll miss him forever. I, I wish I wish he could have stayed around. It seems like a man as great as him wouldn't have died so soon. Sure is a great loss. He's helped so many of us and will be sorely missed. Well, you enjoy yourself. Um, it's great catching up. I've got to head to the library. Um, I, I think the professor has some some books that Kendra might have not have as much use for anymore. Um, so I'm going to go check that out. And so he kind of heads over into the library. And as he's leaving, a man comes up, and he's got this shock of kind of wild red hair. Uh, he's wearing an official... It, it looks like a guard's uniform, uh, but not from any town you've been in. You can kind of intuit that it's not, he's not necessarily a Ravengro guard. He looks like he's you know traveled to be at this funeral as well. And he introduces himself to you and your dad, and he's like, "Hello there, I uh, hey uh, hi, my name is uh, Ed Dunn. It's it's great to meet you guys." Uh, how how did were you guys part of the 
the adventuring party with the professor. I heard so much about it. Uh, I, I never was, I guess, an, an adventurer, but I was rescued by his adventuring party. Oh, well, yeah, that, I've heard about those kind of stories, too. The, the professor and his friends. Wow. Um, my dad, he actually adventured with the professor once. He, uh, they went, they went into the jungle and, uh, my dad died, but he still like the professor gave my mom, uh, the, a cut of the money so that we didn't, you know, go poor in the streets of Leopardstadt. Um, he actually put in a good word for me. I'm on their uh, city guard now. Um, if you ever need anything in Leopardstadt, let me know. Also, it's great to meet you. Wow. <laughs> and he, oh boy. he kind of like he's sweating a little bit and he's um he's kind of standing there uncomfortably quiet for a little long long longer than you would want staring at you and your dad and he's like looking over at Adivion who's like in the other room he's like he keeps whispering under his breath wow 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 wow, wow. this is this is so cool uh, <laughs> so so we'll pan back over to um to E and Ikmer who are over by the food and the other woman who was taking up the rear of the of the casket comes up to you guys and Ikmer you immediately recognize her uh she's got the same crazy black hair she stands Five foot eleven, tall, strong-looking woman, and these piercing yellow eyes. And she says, "Ikmer, interesting meeting you here. How have you been, boy?" Uh, I, I, I know you. Yes, yes. Do, do you remember that night? Uh, uh, of course I do. You but- nearly died, boy. That is very true. Uh, uh, what? Uh, how are you here? I did know the professor. I helped him research in the Shadowwood Forest. I guess I should introduce myself to you, Ikmar. You see, I knew you, but you never knew me, did you? No, no not, not at all. I, uh... I guess, uh, uh, I guess officially, uh, hi, I, I'm Ikmer. Hello, Ikmer. My name is Kvalkasin. I knew the professor because I helped him study lycanthropy in the Shadowwood Forest. Wow. Do you know what lycanthropy is? How about you, young girl? Do you know what lycanthropy is? Out of character, is there a role for this? Yeah, uh, it'd be knowledge, nature. Oh, yeah, I, I, I won't know it otherwise. Well, I mean, it's kind of general knowledge if you lived in Ustalov, so. Oh, okay, yeah, no, I lived in Ustalov, so I should know this, correct? Yeah, probably. Uh, it's it's the werewolves, right? Yes, yes. Ikmar knows my little secret, don't you, Ikmar? Uh- I, I, I do, but am, am I, you know, as well, 
No, no, like Mar, you're not. The, the man was not a werewolf that uh, stabbed you in the stomach. Don't worry. Oh, oh okay. Phew. Man. <laughs> oh, well. And I, I did not bite you, did I? Th- no, that uh, no, you, you didn't. Then you should be fine. You see, uh, the he, professor is a little bit. But like. <laughs> 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 I wish you did. <laughs> the professor was uh, studying lycanthropy in the Shadowwood Forest when he met me, and I swayed his opinion on whether it was an affliction or a way of living. And um, I do believe he, you know, he stopped trying to cure it, so to speak. So maybe my opinion fun out. Wow. That's, that's actually really cool. That's very nice of you. <laughs> Everything's going over his head. He's just kind of like, wow. Um, you all should uh, visit me in the in the Shutterwood Forest if you get the chance, Ikmar. Because I can at least guarantee your safety. Oh, absolutely, nice lady. Wow, I can't wait to come see you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so you turn into a wolf? Uh, and sometimes in between. What? Yes, and she kind of, she smiles at you and you can see her canines are much longer than a regular person's and so yeah she's she's basically she she wanted to come up and officially meet ikmer because she remembers him from when he was so so she she does ask ikmer you're not letting those men beat you in the middle of a pit are you nope did you uh, listen to what i said i i very much so did okay Uh, not anymore just uh just in graveyards uh, well, that that happened today. You I were did, there. I did see this. Yeah, you you put up a great fight, Ikmar. I I hit that one guy pretty good, huh? Oh, I'm surprised he's alive. <laughs> so, so so this this kind of good, right? This goes on, and um, he's asking very personal questions any minute that Ikmar's not talking. Well, you can go ahead and ask one if you oh, okay. want. So, what? When? When do you transform? Ah, uh, well, I can do it at will, but generally it would be around the full moon. So, are you forced on the full moon, or is this like a personal no, thing? No. See, you see, if I were to bite young Ikmer here, he would be forced at the full moon. But I was born of him, or of <laughs> a werewolf, and so. I have a choice. She, so E is just like in awe right now. She would like, there's nothing more she would like than just to like follow this girl around. And the girl does, you know, she, she has opened the invitation to you too, that if you, if you ever make it to the Shutterwood, she's, um, she's, she's offers, she's offering you her protection against whatever's in the forest and you could visit her there do you want to go yeah i i really want to visit pretty lady (laughs) 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 shit (laughs) adventure path derails (laughs) straight to the later books all right a full episode of (laughs) ikmer 
Ick visiting the pretty lady. Hi. Ick <laughs> oh, uh, visits the pretty lady, he's the wingman. <laughs> nice. So as this conversation is happening, I assume everybody kind of heads up for food at some point. And this wide-faced, broad-as-a-barrel man strides into the room as you guys are kind of eating hors d'oeuvres, and he's got this tray, and the tray is covered in shots. Oh, dear God. And he walks in, sets it on the table, and he says, Hello, everybody. My name is Zokar Elkarid. It is fantastic to meet you all. I've heard stories about all four of you from last night. I heard you're a weird saltwater drinking lady. I heard you actually drink beer. I know you two drink water, but hey, I do not care about the ages. You, young man, can have a shot at my bar. And so he offers these shots to you guys, um, and you can see, like, they're actually kind of thoughtfully curated. Like, uh, Matumbe's shot doesn't contain alcohol, but it's like this ginseng tea. Ikmer actually does get a shot. He gets a shot of whiskey. Eclipse has this kind of like, it looks like a bomb type shot, like something's dropped in it. And then Lyra has a salt rimmed tequila shot. Very nice. <laughs> I'm so excited. So, so are you confirming canon that tequila exists in Galarian? Yeah, somebody makes it, I'm sure. All right. In our Galarian. I think uh, this bartender might come up with real shots in the future. That was the plan. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh, God. We're going to have to drink whatever he gives so us. Zokar, this weekend? Uh, yeah, Zokar <laughs> comes with these shots and he says, I know this is this is very sad occasion. And the professor, Petros, was a good friend of mine. He was a great patron of my bar. But, but, I say we drown our sorrows tonight as a laughing demon. Is anybody with me? Yes. <laughs> so ease into it. <laughs> All right. Uh, is there a check that I can do, I guess, as far as uh, figuring his intentions? Yeah, that would be a sense motive. All right. Oh, boy. Uh, total of two. Yeah, you think he's just like a big lion scumbag. Jesus. He's like the worst guy ever. He's, he doesn't seem jolly or happy at all. Oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> You're skeptical of this man. Skeptical, but uh, based on Ikmer's past, uh, he'd be uh, easily coerced into it. Oh, yeah, and he gives the pretty lady a shot, too. He's kind of passing him around. So. Oh, then he would take it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Um, so you guys take your little shots at this after party, and... Finally, that yeah, is that the you didn't have, you didn't have shots? Cute. No, I don't have shots by little John on cue, but uh, <laughs> um, so next time. next time. So, as you guys are, you know, you're you're talking to all these people and you met all these new faces, you're kind of processing all of this, and some of you, you know, cross between the people that you each talk to individually, and you know, Matumbe is bringing people over to the other businessman talking business, and talking business. and Ikmer follows the pretty lady everywhere, and uh, you know, that kind of thing. So, 
finally, uh, kind of like this portly, jowly man enters the building, and and he introduces himself as Councilman uh, Hearthmount, the guy that was supposed to read the will and testament. And so he says, "Gather, gather, gather, everybody. We we have a will to read. I I know it's a sad occasion, and I can see." Half of you are already taking shots. <laughs> Lear looks a little shamed. Please gather, gather, gather in the foyer, and I will read Professor Lorimore's last will and testament. Can you repeat his name real quick? Uh, his name is Councilman Hearthmount. Hearth, Hearthmouth? Yeah, Hearthmount. Mount. Like, I mounted it over the hearth. Okay, thank you. I, I thought you were going to finish that statement. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm taking notes. So he gathers people in the room, and he says, uh, Before I open up this, this will, I need to know if the people that Petros has stated need to be here are here. If I could do a roll call, that would be lovely. Is Mutumbe here? I am here. How about Edward Dunn? And he raises his hand. I'm here. Uh, Ikma. Uh, I'm here. Uh, Mr. Horai. Yes, present. Uh, Eclipse. I'm here. Uh, Mikhail. Here, present. And his daughter, Lyra. Present. Uh, Divian Adversant. I'm here. Horace Croon. Here, I'm, I'm in the back. <laughs> Sparks are flying. <laughs> I'm behind Eclipse. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Eclipse, Eclipse, like I'm three here. shots in. I'm man. <laughs> and finally, Auburn Shelley. Present. And so um, with that, he pulls out a tube of parchment with uh, Professor Lorimore's seal across the front, showing that it is unopened. And as he pulls that out of his pocket, a key falls out on the ground, and he seems not to pay any attention to it. And I need you guys to roll a perception check, but before we do that, I need you to finish your drink. Oh, Are you oh, kidding me? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Got him. Oh, my gosh. 